The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Had a little, look how far you stand back. Don't be afraid. Test, okay? test, test, test. I brought my knife, and I'll tell you this knife is very sharp. And the reason I know that is because right before a wedding a couple years ago, I was doing the handyman stuff as I'm very good at. I flipped over chairs, and I wanted to take the, the little levelers off to put new ones on, and so I was popping them off with my knife. And I didn't realize how strong my biceps were, so I thought I was just using my wrists only. <laughs> Turns out my biceps were involved, and as soon as one came off, I just pulled the knife forward and just went right up my arm. So I have this nice scar here, but that was right before a wedding. So I just had bone and it was pretty bad. So we go to this wedding and I'm all stitched up. I had to do like emergency stitch and make it to this wedding. So this is real and sharp, okay? So my question is, if I was to take this knife, okay, mm-hmm. and imagine we're on a battlefield, okay? Yeah. Everybody got that picture in your head? Okay, we're in a battlefield. If I was to come with this knife mm-hmm. to cut you open, what would you do? First reaction would be, can I sidestep somewhere? Uh, if I try to grab your wrist, but you can't pull it toward me, I try to twist it out. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay, yeah. your mom specifically said no. So you oh, would no grab way. my hand and throw it over, sidestep. Or I would use my legs. If you tried to come in, I'd probably... Do a kick like that? How many of you would do the yeah. kick? Okay, how many of you would do the grab the knife hand and try to turn it? Okay, so some kind of combo of that? Okay, so basically if I was to come at you, I would probably get this hand thrown aside and my leg kicked in. Yep. Okay, that's very good. You can sit down. I'm going to bring you back up in a little bit, okay, because we're going to get farther into this demo as we go. So if you're squeamish, you have a warning. Might be time to go. Okay, keep that in mind, okay, because we're going to wrap back around to that. We're going to go a long ways around, but we're going to come back to there. We're talking about dedication to God today. Okay, and specifically, we're talking about a Peter problem. And in the Bible, there's a, a guy named Peter, and he's one of the disciples of Jesus. And he comes across a problem in his time of following Jesus, which is not unlike us, because we oftentimes are following Jesus, and we realize that it's not quite how easy we thought it would be. It's not quite how we pictured it, right, to be a believer and to follow God's ways, and it's not always the easy path that we hope. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21, and we're going to read about this problem directly from the word and hear how this plays out just imagine yourself kind of in these shoes and so peter has been spending time remember he was a a fisherman and jesus calls him to leave everything behind and he comes to follow him he's like i'm gonna make you fishers of men he's doing miracles he's this awesome god he's come down into human form he's gonna dominate and just take over the world and be a savior and a king and all these things angels are announcing him i mean this is fantastic right he's raising the dead he's healing the sick i mean all these things so if you're in Peter's shoes, and you're following this guy around for three years, watching him do all these things, okay, and listening to him teach, and listening to him preach, and you're living under an oppressive government, okay, you're living underneath Roman rule, oppressive rulership, and you are believing that this guy is a savior, this guy is here to help, this guy is here to bring some kind 
of salvation to the world. And now this happens. Okay, so all that's going on. Now this happens right here. It says, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples, that includes Peter, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. So even from the church, the people that were supposed to love God. And it says, and be killed, and then on the third day be raised. Okay, so now this guy, he's following. That's going to do all these great things, right? He's going that direction, man. I'm all in. I've left my business behind. I've left my life behind. Like, I'm all in. And now he comes along and he says, hey, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. But don't worry. I'm going to get back up. Okay, first of all, that's a pretty wild claim, right? That he's going to get back up. But just look at the death part because that's the part that's knowable, right? We know that when somebody dies, they're done. So Peter's, that's going to be what's sticking in his mind is like he's dying. Like, what's happening? And so it goes on. Now, this is what Peter's response was, right? So what would your response be? Would you run away? Would you walk away? Would you go find some other person to follow? You know, would you just be like, oh, I'm all in. I love it. Good plan. Whatever you say goes, right? Be a yes man. Well, what Peter does, it says, Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. Have you ever had a circumstance going on in your life where, you kind of took that quiet prayer time to go aside and rebuke the Lord and say, this ain't a good plan, God. Like, this ain't working. I don't think it should happen like this. I wouldn't do this. You know, I, somebody told me this might be your will, but I know it's not your will. I rebuke it. Oh, I rebuke it in Jesus' name, right? And yet, it's actually God's will that's happening. Sometimes we do that. Why do we do that? We do that oftentimes because something's uncomfortable. We don't like it. And so if we don't like it, it's uncomfortable, and we're going through it, our immediate response is like, well, this can't be from God because I know God wants to bless me. God loves me. God's for me. He's not against me. And if that's the case, then this situation can't be a God situation. This has to be a devil situation. You know, I had a, I had a situation similar when I was 16 years old. I was not a hunter. Goes along with my lack of handyman skills, I was not a hunter. Okay, my claim to fame and manliness is my ability to grow a thick, full beard, which I don't do because pride and ego rolls in, but I just grow little goatees. And so this hunting thing that my dad and my brother did all the time, they hunted ducks. My, my brother hunted ducks with his bare hands. We'd be like on a job site and ducks would come running up because it's near a waterway. My brother would come back with a duck. My brother's at, he'd come back to say, here's a duck. Hey, how'd you get that? I grabbed it. And I broke it, <laughs> and I brought it back to the job. I'm like, why are we breaking ducks and bringing them back to the job? <laughs> like, I feed bread to them. Like, that's what I do, right? But this is a family I'm from, right? They're very rough, strong, tough. And they love to do that. They hunted bears. And my dad shot a bear in a tree up above him like this with an arrow, just looking up. And then the bear falls down. It goes in a bush. And my dad and my uncle get on their bellies and crawl in the bush to go get the bear. That makes no sense at all. So that's them, right? So it's very like, oh, we're going to get it. So I was not a hunter. I didn't like to hunt. I didn't enjoy it. Of course, back then, that was before they figured out how to do all of it. So a lot of times we'd go here we in the northwest, the Oregon area, Oregon and Washington, where all the forests that are on fire right now. But we would go there, and it's just raining, and it's thick, and you can't see anything. And you walk through, and basically it's a four-day walk in the rain, and you'd never see an antler. That's kind of what hunting was. The only thing I ever got hunting was a little chipmunk. It was this big, and he's by the campfire, and I was bored after four days of walking in the wet woods, and I just shot a chipmunk. And then I 
put him on a spigot, and I cooked him, and I ate him, and it, just tell you this, they're so small that all it tastes like is hair. Don't do it. It's gross. It just tastes like burnt hair. It's awful. That's the only thing I ever got. And it's not the kind of thing you mount on the wall and, like, are proud of, so I don't have any record of it. It's just you have to trust me. I did it. Ate it. It's good. I didn't want to go, but they kept begging me all year to go hunting. You got to go with us. You got to go with us. Come on. It's a guy thing. I spent all my time uh, just at home, and uh, Carrie, my wife, was my friend back then. That's all she was as a friend. You know, she didn't see me as any more than that. So I was the friend that was just always kind of around, you know. So when the boys talked to talked to her and went out with her, because she always had a boyfriend, you know, when the boys went out with her, and then she was going to break up because they were treating her bad, I was there to say, you know what, you're, you're just so amazing. I can't believe they did that. Cry on this shoulder and do that, right? So finally, the last weekend of hunting, they talked me into going hunting on a Sunday morning before I was a pastor and committed to being at church and all that. So I was going up in the woods. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, there I was in the woods. We get out of the car. We walk up onto a hill, clear cut, no trees. And we were there 30 seconds. Literally, you walk up on the hill, and all of a sudden, just <laughs> gunshot goes off. My friend was standing in front of me, and it goes through his arm right here. It misses both of the bones. It just goes in between the bones. And then it hits me in the stomach, and it just goes right out my back. Misses all the bones. So it just literally just goes through me. And then I'm just like, what's going on? So I yell out to my dad or my brother. I'm like, we've been shot. And they look back at me and our other friend here who've been goofing off the whole way up the mountain, right? They look back and say, yeah, whatever, and they keep walking. They're like, forget you guys. Eventually, they realize, like, we're bleeding. Like, we're dying here on the mountain. Like, we are shot. So they come back and get us. It took us, like, we had to hike all the way out of the woods back to our, it's an old international scout, this old uh, beat-up four-wheel drive, and we rode that out through all the rocky roads. We get to a volunteer fire department. They throw us in the truck. They take us to the hospital. It was like an hour till we got to the hospital. And when it had gone through, it broke my, my colon open. And so all of that poison would fill in. You know, you, you die pretty fast. But miraculously, a little layer of, of film kind of went over that inside and so it kept the bile and stuff from spilling out they said if you even move it breaks you're done like you can't move you have to be life lighted all that stuff but we hiked out we did all that stuff put my arms around them i get to the hospital i wake up a couple days later i'm in icu i've got a colostomy bag on i've got all this stuff you know they thought i was gonna die i'm on morphine i'm seeing all kinds of things i had two bears that lived on my bed and i introduced them to everybody Legitimately, I'm like, hey, this is my bear friend. This is his, and this is her son, a little bear. And I would try to get people to talk to the bears. And I open my eyes, and there is Carrie. And she's there, and she's hanging out. Now, this hospital is almost an hour from where we were, and she was 16, just had her car. And she's driving an hour to come see me up there at the hospital. And I was there for quite a while because I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. And every time I'd open my eyes, there's Carrie. And she just keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. And she'll tell you the story. It's amazing. But God just used this just to re- – so we went on had my shot. I swung hard. <laughs> I was like, we went on a date. This is going to be big time. So we went on – this is what I did. I booked a, a limo that took us to an airport. I was working at Taco Bell, making all my money, like six bucks an hour back then. I booked a limo that picked us up downtown, drove us out to an airport that was an hour away. We flew back on a helicopter into downtown with the lights. We landed on the tallest building in downtown Portland, on top, went inside to a restaurant. We're eating food in there. It's like $100 a person for food. They won't even let you butter your own bread. They're like, we'll do that for you, sir. We're 16. We're in this little spot. 
I spent my whole life savings, which wasn't a very long life, but it was all I had. And she looks at me and says, when we leave, could we go to Taco Bell? I'm like, praise God, this is a keeper. She's cheap, and she loves me. I'm in. And so she says, how are we going to get home? And I had booked a horse carriage at the bottom to take us back to our car. Like, this was all out. So I had one shot. I'm like, I'm in. So when you swing that hard, you either hit something or else you never swing again because you break your back. So I hit something, and we're married. We have kids. Point of that story is that getting shot isn't good. Is it? Okay. And so that's something to rebuke, right? Oh, I rebuke the attack on my life. I rebuke the enemy for trying to kill me. I I stand against this right now in Jesus' name. Don't let it hurt me. And yet God was working through that to bring two people together that he wanted to be together in order to do what he wanted to do in their life and through their life. Oftentimes we go through things that are extremely difficult and they make no sense. And we think that, oh, that's got to be the devil. Oh, that's got to be. That's demonic. This is awful. This is terrible. And yet God's hand is working through that thing in order to do something greater that we just don't understand. Peter's in a similar situation. Okay, the cross is a terrible thing. We like to wear it on jewelry now. We put it on our wrists and all that kind of stuff. It is a bloody, gruesome, awful thing. And so he's hang, he gets hung on a cross, and Peter's looking at this thing. No, I don't want you to die. I don't want this to happen. I don't want you to get killed. I don't want these things to go on. So he rebukes him. He takes him aside and rebukes him. This is never going to happen to you. And so Jesus turns to him, and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Peter is rationally looking at a situation and saying, there is no way that could be good. I rebuke it. I stand against it. No way. Can't happen. And Jesus in turn says, no, you're actually the one that's wrong. And your way is the wrong way. But I have a different way. And this is how we're going to go. This is 2,000 years old. But this still happens today. How many of you have gone through a situation where you're going through something and you're like, this can't be from God. There's just no way this can be from God. This can't happen. And then you look back years later and go, oh man, thank God that that happened to me. Wow, look what God did through that. And yet it's so easy to look back and it's so much harder when you're in a situation to remember that, oh, this could be God too. God could be doing something greater here. So he says, get behind him. So Peter had a problem. And it's a problem that we all have. And here's some signs to it, okay? We're going to talk about this. The four signs that you might have a Peter problem going on right now. Okay, number one, something in your life and you can't understand it. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I lost this job. I don't understand why my marriage is struggling. I don't understand why my child isn't serving the Lord. I don't understand why my child has passed away. I don't understand why... My brother or my sister or somebody has passed away. My sister, just a, just a few years ago, my sister, she had married a man that they adopted. Well, they fostered five kids. They'd adopted four. They worked on adopting the, the fifth one. Amazing family. All their kids look totally different. They got a little redhead. They got a little blonde girl. They got a little uh, dark hair boy with glasses and buck teeth. They've got, I mean, it looks just like a little cartoon of people. They got another little girl that, I mean, none of them, they, they don't look related. 
This is hodgepodge of kids all thrown together from all these terrible circumstances. They brought them all in, fostered them, loved them, adopted one, adopted two, adopted three, adopted four. They have the fifth one that's now in their home. And he goes to work in the morning and he never comes home. Because he passes away in his car. He was a security patrol guy and he's driving his car and they just find him in his car. Passed away. You look at that and say, man, that has got to be the devil. How can this be possible? Like, what's going on? And we look at situations, there's some difficult ones in life that we go through. And yet the Bible promises us that he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And sometimes it's hard to see the good in a situation. There's difficult ones. My mother-in-law, Heidi, you know, her husband passed away of cancer. And I, I know you're here, so I must put you on the spot. But he lost his job. Right before he would have got full retirement, right? They laid him off, boom, gone. Well, that's of the devil. They're robbing me of retirement, right? I mean, that's the feeling, right? How could this happen? Here, pray and rebuke it. Well, it turns out, he finds out shortly after he lost his job that he had a, a pretty severe case of cancer and was able to spend those next few years doing all kinds of family stuff, going on trips and spending time with family and just really being home and enjoying their life, sewing into his kids, sewing into his marriage, getting things ready. And had he been at work every day, right, that would have been robbed. But God knew. God knew he's leaving and I'm going to have him lose his job, which seems terrible, but I got a purpose and a reason for it. That God has a purpose and a reason in things. Sometimes we don't understand it. Peter didn't understand it. When we don't understand things, we oftentimes try to rebuke him or tell him to stop. You know, we pray over him to stop. Well, Peter couldn't rebuke it. He tried that. And God said, no, that's not going to work. This is happening. Right? So he couldn't get through with that. He couldn't change it. Jesus said, nope, going. I'm moving forward. And then he couldn't handle it. We found that out because when the time came for him to handle the situation, he denied Jesus. Jesus was taken to the cross, and Peter walked, you know, walked away from him. And three different times, he's like, I don't even know who he is. Right? So he couldn't even handle it. There's situations we get in where all these things are going on. Maybe you have that going on in your life right now. You know, maybe it's something that you're just struggling with. Maybe it's an addiction issue. Maybe it's a bitterness issue. Maybe you were uh, somehow hurt by someone, either emotionally, mentally, or physically. You were abused and you were hurt. You were abandoned. Something happened, and you're going through stuff. Say, God, I don't understand how this works. I don't know how to get through this. I've tried to rebuke it and get it to leave me alone, but I still get depressed. I still get discouraged. I still struggle, and I don't know why. Help me can't change it. I can't bring them back. I can't undo the damage that they did in my life. Like, I can't change this. And after lots of effort, Lord, I just have finally just come to the conclusion that I can't handle it. I can't. What do you do? That's where Peter was. That's a Peter problem. And a lot of us have had that. So what is your Peter problem? I want to stop and think about that for a minute. In fact, close your eyes for me. Take a minute with the Lord and just say, Lord, what's my problem? Don't ask your spouse. They'll tell you too quickly. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what's my problem? What's that thing that I don't understand? That I've tried to rebuke and send away, that I don't know how to change, and that really, honestly, I can't handle it. Maybe I can handle it for two months, three months, six months, but I can't handle it for very long. It always comes back, Lord. I can't handle it. What is it? We all have something like that. And if you're ready, here's a Jesus solution, okay? Because Jesus had the same thing. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, to where he prayed and he said he's looking forward to the cross and this is going to happen. And he says, 
Father, if there's any other way to bring salvation, if there's any other thing that you can do, please do it. Let's do I don't want to go to the cross. Let's do it, right? In his in his humanity, in his physical nature, he's like, I don't want to do that. That hurts. And he said, Not my will, but yours be done. Right? He went through this situation. So here's how he handled it. Just moving on in Matthew chapter 16. This is part of the same passage. After talking to Peter, it says that Jesus looked at his disciples and he told them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is telling us how he handled his Peter problem. How he handled this situation that was bigger than in his humanity what he wanted to deal with. But he couldn't change. He couldn't move. And it goes on. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, everything, forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Okay, that's very spiritual sounding. What he's trying to say is that he who loses his life will find it, right? He's saying that, you know what, if you let go of your way and pick up my way and follow me, you'll find out what the reason is. You'll understand. I'll reveal it over time. We'll go on this journey together. You're going to see that I was for you, not against you. You're going to see there's a purpose and a plan. That something is happening. He goes on to talk about how we're all going to at some point be judged for what we've done. Like, we'll be held accountable for that. Are we willing to follow? Are we willing to lay it down? Are we willing to do it God's way? You know, sometimes these Peter problems can compound. You know what? Well, I, I was abused, and now I'm an addict. Okay, well, that's like a double Peter problem, right? It's like P squared. That's like two. The first one wasn't really my fault. The second one, now I'm in addiction. Well, that's not my fault. Well, if God's coming to say, i got a way to set you free, let's go this direction. No, I'd rather be here in this. I know I was abused as a kid. Not by my parents, but by a cousin. Abuse can lead to addiction. It can lead to other things. There comes a point where God's calling forward. and He says, you know what? I want you to let go of this. Lose your life. Lose your right to be offended. Lose your right to be hurt. Lose your right to be bitter. Lose your, li- your right for all those things. And just follow me. I'm going to bring change. And we have a choice to do that. A choice to move along. And this is an interesting part of the, that passage. It's the last piece of it. It says, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That's an interesting passage because at first thought you think, well, this didn't happen. I mean, Jesus died, rose again, he went to heaven. And does this mean he's supposed to be coming back? Before these guys die, like, you know, like they're going to turn 70. He's coming back before they die, right? Well, they're dead. He hasn't come back for us. So is this just not true? So I want you to think about it a little differently, right? Because the kingdom of God, right, is not just physical, it's spiritual. Okay, and there's two different scenarios in the Bible that happen in gardens that are pretty profound. One of them is in Genesis. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, right? The serpent comes, the devil comes, and he tempts them with what? The knowledge of good and evil. But hey, do it your way. Do it your way. And what was their response? Their response was, okay, we'll do it our way. And what was the result? Right? The result was the kingdom of death, right? Death came in. Sin came in. All those things happened. 
might go in the wrong direction. They, um, I'll get it back there. So they're in the garden, and they choose Zuthor on the way, and it brings in this kingdom of death, of self, of flesh, now it begins to rule over the world. Now Jesus ends up in the garden, and he's faced with a situation. Do it my way, which is the easy way, or do I do it the way that the Father's telling me to do it? And he chooses obedience. He chooses trust. He goes to the cross. He rises again. And the opposite of what happened in the Garden of Eden happens. Life, reconciliation, wholeness, forgiveness, all these things come through obedience where death and division and all these things came through disobedience. When Jesus rises from the dead and brings reconciliation to us, he brings an opportunity for us to step into the goodness of God again, to have right relationship with God for all these things to happen. The kingdom of God in a spiritual sense has very much come back into operation. And we see him rise from the dead in the Bible and, and these things happen. So I'm going to have Silas come back up. And so here's a question now. I'm going to just add a little more a little more context to this. Did you get a weapon? Oh, okay. <laughs> You've been thinking about this. He's like, I'm grabbing this music stand. I'm going to send with it. Here. Right, okay. Here so the first time, we, the que- here's the question. The question was, if we're on a battlefield, and I was going to cut you open with this, what would you do? Uh, dodge this way, or try to block it. And then what were you going to do to my legs? Uh, get a Don't kick forget in that. Oh, that's, a very okay, okay. that's a key step you had there. Yeah, go in with my foot so here. I'm quick. Oh, you're quick. Oh, you're quick. Okay. I can move. So I that was the first. Now let me add some other context, okay? If we're on the battlefield... Are you stalking me? The ninja. We're on the battlefield. Okay? This bomb goes off. And Silas has a piece of shrapnel that lodges into his chest. Okay? And I'm actually on his side. And he's there, and this is stuck. And now I come with the knife. I say, Silas, I'm cutting you open with this. What's your response? Okay. Can you sign a waiver? Yes. Okay. What changed? Only thing that changed is context. Context changed from we're in this wild, crazy, chaotic environment, which we live in, right? We live in a crazy, chaotic world. It's still going to hurt if I cut him. He's still going to bleed. It's still going to be painful. But only thing that's changed is now his understanding is you're on my side. And what you're about to do is for my benefit. Right? Because you care about me. And so rather than block you and defend you, rather than attack you, rebuke you and fight you back, I'm going to try to sit, sit still. And let you do what you have to do. Okay, thank you, Silas, for your service. God wants some people to sit still. Lord, this hurts. 
trying to get in there. Don't like it. But he wants us to trust him enough to say, go ahead. Do it. You're on my side. You love me. This is what Jesus did with the Father. Your will be done. I trust you. This is going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But I trust that the outcome is good. Not the process. The outcome. Change me. If I give up this addiction, Lord, it's going to hurt more. Because I have to deal with my emotions, my depression, my anger, my bitterness, my pain. It's going to hurt more than staying here. But I'm willing to let go and let you do this. Because it's better. Or Lord, I'm willing to look at this situation differently. I'm willing to work on this marriage. I'm willing to, whatever the situation is, Lord, I'm willing to forgive. Even though it feels like it's a knife in my heart just to even think about it. Whatever the situation, Lord, I'm willing to give it to you. Lord, I'm willing to stop fretting about that job loss, that promotion that I missed, and just trust you, Lord, okay, you're, you have a reason. You're doing this for a reason. You guys know, I mean, I've mentioned this a bunch, but it's still, it's a crazy good example. You know, we had our furniture stores. We had hundreds of thousands of dollars in there. We thought that was going to fund our whole church plant a couple years ago. And then, boom, after 20 years in business, it was all gone. All gone. Man, I stayed up late rebuking that. Lots of times, man. Praying, the worship music going, binding, loosing, doing it all. God just took it away. He told me one time, pray, he says, you ain't, you ain't keeping it. It's gone. That can't be your plan. It's gone. Only a few months after it was gone, that's when we got the call to adopt our little girl. And there is probably no chance that would have happened if we were too busy with our furniture stores. And we were buried. We had too much going on. Because now we're too, we, we just can't fit that in. Now it's like, man, we got all the time in the world. Let's do it. Like God works through things when we let him. He's always working in our behalf. He's always working in our good. So here's the Jesus solution. You have to give up, pick up, and look up. That's the things that you have to do. Give up your way and your understanding, your perspective. Pick up your cross. Pick up the situation. Pick up the circumstance. And then just look up and say, I got it. It's not changing. It's still here. I don't like it. I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be left behind. I didn't want to go through this. I don't like this illness. I don't like this. Whatever the situation is, Lord, I'm going to carry it along and look at you and believe that you're bringing redemption through this in some way. I'm going to trust you. I'm following. That's all he wants from us. We've been here two years. Our verse when we started was out of Ephesians 3.20. It says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or imagine. That's what the EAV is. That he's able to do that. Now, I can tell you that the two years has been chaos. That most of our team has gone unemployed for long stretches when we first landed. We were broke. They had problems. They had issues. Some of the kids had problems and issues and struggles with the trans, you know, the transplant overall. This is all chaos. And we're just like, Lord, we're just following you. Help us. And God worked it out for us. He did exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. The process wasn't fun. But the result, when we trust God, is it's going to be good. It's going to be for us. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. If we can get there, if we can just put our mind in our heart, Lord, I trust you, it'll be yours. Nicole made these for our anniversary, these little puzzle pieces. Cookies, very delicious. So you can build a puzzle and then eat it. God's just getting started. 
So that's wonderful. But it also means there's more process ahead. That's what it means. God's going to do more, which means that this will preach. This will take big offerings. Everybody can leave in a nice Mercedes. He's going to do more, but it means that we're going to go through more. That's a fact. We're going to have people come in that are struggling, and you're going to get in relationship with them to build them up, encourage them, and they might hurt your feelings. You might go through different struggles because God's trying to work something out of your life. Self-dependence, he's trying to work it out. OCD, trying to control everything, he's trying to work it out. So take, who knows? God's going to work on and refine us individually and as a church as he continues to grow what he wants to do. And so we have to keep our eyes on him and say, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to give up my process and my way and my perspective, pick up what you want us to do individually and as a church, and then trust you, God, that the outcome's going to be good no matter what we go through. Doesn't mean it's all hard, doesn't mean it's all terrible, there's wonderful, beautiful things that God does, but there's also things that sometimes are tough, and we have to have God's mindset and God's perspective all the time, all the time, and God will do that. So we're going to go right now just for a time of prayer, and other people can leave if you want, so there's two things you can do right now. You can come up if you want prayer. Individually, you have to say, man, I got something that I just really want to just put before the Lord and get prayer on. We can all pray by ourselves when God hears us. Okay, I don't have magical prayer powers. But the Bible does say in James that if you confess your sins or things that are going on in your life to each other, pray for each other, you can be healed. God brings healing and unity and transparency. So if you have something, say, man, I just need prayer in this. I think something I need to lay before the Lord. Then come on up and we'll pray. Um, I'll have Jenna, can you do that? I know you got kids, but um, so if your lady, go grab Jenna and pray. Sue, you want to pray? Somebody? Sue will come up and then I'll be up here and uh, just come on up, get prayer. And then if you don't, like you need that or want that you can head over we got don't ask me what she was doing but nicole said what's happening for the two-year anniversary and i was too busy to think that i said i don't know and so i tried to make like a little mini plan and she goes if i'm reading through the lines it sounds like you have no good plan (sighs) yes i had no good plan she goes great i'm gonna be crazy nicole so now we have literally have 16 cakes over there that's a real number 16 cakes we have cookies we have Every imaginable thing over there that she has packed over there. So go over there and you can stuff your faces and eat all kinds of stuff and have fun and make friends. So that's what we're here for. But if you want prayer, come on up and just be blessed as you go. Father, I pray for those that are going over for friendship and fellowship, Lord, that you will help them to connect, Lord. You said you'd set the solitary into families. I pray you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you want prayer, you can come up and hit Sue or Jenna or... the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com slash give.